Informed Dissent, brought to you by Firearm Training Associates. Firearms Training Associates is, is a lucky company because we have been able to draft in some of the best instructors in the world. We have special operations guys, we have guys from the U.S. military, from foreign militaries that work for us. They provide a great deal of insight into self-defense. So we developed this so that our customers could come on the weekends and get the best training in the world. We pride ourselves on our civilian training. It's our armed civilian that's one of the most important things to us. We want to teach them how to survive dangerous situations. When you come through the course, as long as you're performing at a acceptable level, you're going to get a certificate that puts our stamp on it. And we take it serious when we put our stamp on there. When you get our gold label, that means that you've passed the class that you've attended. Firearm Training Associates, proud sponsor of Informed Descent. Find out more at ftatv.com. Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics, with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Well, Mark, great to be with you again. Welcome to another episode of Informed Dissent. Hey, Jeff. We've got a couple great guests uh, that I can't wait to introduce and have you all meet. Uh, before we do so, a shout out to our Patreon audience. Uh, this is new for us, and we're really excited to be part of this uh, network and uh, and umbrella organization that I think will spread the word and allow us to grow even further. So, COVID Tyranny Task Force, that's what we're going to be here to talk about. And we've got Dr. George and Scott Kiley, who were the founders of this organization out in Florida. Uh, Dr. George and Scott, welcome to Informed Dissent. Welcome, gentlemen. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Great to have you. So what the heck is the COVID Tyranny Task Force? Tell us what you guys did and uh, and how you're making an impact. So the COVID Tyranny Task Force, you know, uh, Southwest Florida, we're fortunate to have an incredible amount of uh, active people, really warriors in the fight for medical freedom. COVID Tyranny Task Force is comprised of about 100 people. The founder is a OBGYN. His name is Dr. Richard Schroeder. And um, Richard is just a terrific guy. We're very active in a lot of different ways. We do protests. Um, we, um, we have uh, people that are petitioning the Collier County um, uh, Department of Health. We speak at our commissioners, our county commissioners' offices on uh, on various elements. Uh, you know, an example of that might be uh, we discovered our our task force discovered that they had taken a grant for one point four million dollars from the CDC, and so we got all over that, uh, educated our commissioners. We've got some really good commissioners, educated them on what the money was being used for. They thought it was being used to to educate. Um, low-income migrant farm workers. And what we discovered was it was really more a campaign to get a jab in every arm. So long story short, we petitioned our commissioners. We got them to send back $1.4 million. Extraordinary. So that's the COVID tyranny task force. I've never heard that before. You got them to send back the money. So your, your state, local government voluntarily gave up money uh, because they thought the, the money was given out under you know, tyrannical conditions, they didn't want to be part of it. Well, the other thing we did is we actually read the terms and conditions of the contract and the terms and conditions of the contract stated that they had to comply with future dictates from, what was it? Um, uh, CDC, uh, um, 
um, one of the one of the big departments, uh, NIH, um, uh, one of the three letter agencies. They had to comply with all future. So there were strings obviously attached to this money. There's always strings attached to federal money, isn't there? Well, there's always strings attached, but you know, so we're really we're really active. Um, we um, we decided uh, about three months ago that really all of this tyranny we faced over the last three years, really nothing has been resolved, right? And so um, our group has been working in Tallahassee with legislators during this past session. And, you know, that's kind of a joke. Um, the, the legislators are all captured by the lobbyists and the big corporations. And so uh, the idea was let's work local. We know our commissioners. Um, I see my commissioner at a car show. Uh, we go to the same restaurants. Let's work local. I can meet with my commissioner. I can call my commissioner. So George and I, we produced a health freedom bill of rights and we produced a health freedom ordinance. And we brought these to our commissioners. Now we had one commissioner that was um, really strong, uh, newly elected into office January 1st. And this commissioner was running on the concept of health freedom so he was kind of our advocate. He brought it forward to the other commissioners. But we, um, we rolled up our sleeves. We produced a resolution. We produced an ordinance. We delivered it to the commissioners. And uh, that was really the start. Uh, just, a, just a tremendous story of how we succeeded. Um, I want to give you guys time for questions. Uh, should I roll right into how we succeeded with this passage of the resolution? Please do, but in a minute. So, so Dr. George Yakos, you were a cardiologist, not were, you're a cardiologist and you moved from the blue state of New York to the red state of Florida. Congratulations on that move. There's a lot of people doing that. And uh, what's been your role in this COVID tyranny task force? I want to correct you. First of all, I escaped New York. I didn't actually come down to Florida, uh, but Florida was the best place to go because there is a, a bubble here of people that are still thinking logically and are freedom minded. And um, in keeping with that, you know, from I promised my family that we were going to get politically activated uh, so that what happened in New York is not going to happen in our little bubble here that seems to be expanding county to county. So, um, you know, when this opportunity came up uh, and we had uh, the ability to talk to somebody who was open minded and even had the thinking of, trying to preserve our liberties. Um, you know, Scott and I jumped on it. And uh, the Bill of Rights was uh, really a, a, a no-brainer. It's, it's something that had been around in the past and slowly had gotten to the best, uh, the best language I could use. It slowly got bastardized to uh, allow people to infringe on your medical liberties. And, uh, you know, we wanted to reinstate what's, um, what's logical here. Uh, you know, you and your doctor, more you, your doctor is just your researcher, your uh, guy that gives you your options, um, and uh, your guy who's going to answer your questions and give you informed consent uh, without somebody twisting their arm behind their back uh, to, uh, trying to fulfill their agenda, which is what Big Pharma has become right now. And, and we wanted to get back to the point where people had their um, rights intact, their ability to learn unhindered and make decisions unhindered without fear of reprisals. And I, and I think that's what, um, in summary, this Health Bill of Rights can do. I love it. So it'd be great. Let's get Congress and, and the Senate to pass it. 
But what's in this health bill of rights? There's two elements. There's an ordinance and there's a resolution. And so we created, George and I, we created the ordinance at first. The ordinance really addressed all of the elements of tyranny that we faced over the last three years. Uh, the problem is, is that Collier County is not a sovereign county. And because of that, the county attorney who we met with said, listen, we can make what you guys have drafted very aspirational, right? We can make that a resolution. In other words, it's our resolve to improve. But the ordinance, he said, needs to follow state statutes so we don't have preemption issues. And so we worked with the, uh, the uh, county attorney. He created that ordinance on the ordinance's law. And the ordinance reflects state statutes, which is good for Collier County because a lot of people, they don't know their ability to opt out of mandates. They don't know their ability to deal with discrimination in the workplace. And these are some good things DeSantis has done for us. Unfortunately, these statutes get buried in a drawer and they don't trickle down to the county. So people, citizens don't even know their rights. So we're going to shine a spotlight on that. We're going to educate the citizens with the new ordinance we have. The other thing about this ordinance that we have is it absolutely rejects any authority or control from the World Health Organization or any other international bodies. And as you guys know, that's critically important today. So we have that in the ordinance. That's, that's codified into law in Collier County now. And that's huge. We need to spread that word. And then the resolution is aspirational. It basically says, hey, boy, there were an awful lot of mistakes and the future we want to leave our children is not the future we just experienced. So our resolve was nine points in the resolution. George, you know those well. You want to walk us through? Gentlemen, you want to, you want to learn what's in that resolution? George, highlight what's in that resolution. I'd, I'd like to know. And you, and you say the resolution points out that there were mistakes made. Were there mistakes, Scott, or was this done on purpose? Oh, well, look, you know... Um, the, 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 uh, what I lay out to the commissioners was, was this, as I said, uh, therapeutics were available from the start. With therapeutics, there's no EUA. Without an EUA, there's no vaccine. With therapeutics rolled out, there's no pandemic. Yeah, it wasn't a mistake, though. They did this on purpose. They knew what they were doing. Patents are in place. There's, there's certainly plenty of, uh, uh, plenty of evidence to indicate that this was all planned. Without a doubt. So, George, what are some of the points in the resolution? Well, uh, again, the the biggest point uh, was focusing on any person who is having a health problem having free access to information, and on top of that, being able to make a decision without any bias being held against them. And more importantly, once that decision is made, that there isn't any kind of uh, prejudicial uh, uh, view of that person when they need health services in the future was a big one. And, uh, you know, we were highlighting cases in point uh, globally about these things. You know, one of the last things we talked about is how people are trying to get transplants and because they did not uh, get vaccinated, they're being turned down for what literally is a life-saving uh, surgery for them. Um, other people are getting their kids taken, like in, New Ze in the case in New Zealand, because they wanted to have uh, 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 blood from an unvaccinated donor. In fact, the parents were the unvaccinated donor. And instead of allowing that to happen, because they brought up the topic of being unvaccinated, they denied uh, that request. So again, uh, informed consent. Uh, in other words, a patient, and a, doc a patient and a doctor should be able to discuss things without any fear that something's going to happen to the doctor if they're bringing up their perspective, because it doesn't toe the line uh, of the uh, of Big Pharma and the three-letter agencies in the United States, let alone 
what would happen if the WHO was involved. Um, beyond that, um, we wanted also that physicians didn't feel that they had reprisals uh, against them because they would speak their mind. Um, and we wanted to have free access to the things that we know work. Uh, again, we, t we talked about how access to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were completely blocked early on. I mean, within 48 hours of ivermectin uh, sneaking through as a potential a remedy, corporate pharmacies were blocking and reporting you for even asking for it. It was, uh, it was a crazy time in New York State. It's still going on here. Yeah, well, uh, it's going on in New York. But uh, in Florida, I got to tell you, everything's great. And I think what we need to do is start supporting non-corporate pharmacies. The compound pharmacists here have become heroes because they know what it takes to help people. They're not afraid. They do it. And they don't answer to uh, a corporate entity. And I, I think that's, that's a big key here where you need to make sure that we're supporting the mom and pop shops even more than we support the corporate pharmacy. Now, you guys happen to have a freedom-loving Surgeon General uh, in the state of Florida. Have you had any contact with him about having a resolution, an ordinance, laws passed that mimic what you've done in Collier County? We, we haven't, not yet. You know, our Surgeon General is great. Our governor's done, he's done more than most governors. We know that. There's a whole lot left to do. I mean, the fact that these jabs are even on the street is so disappointing. The fact that they're injecting pregnant women is so disappointing. Uh, there's a doctor named James Thorpe you guys are probably familiar with, OBGYN in Florida. His dad is devastating, sees 8,000 women a year. You know, Dr. James Thorpe is trying to reach out to Latipo, and from what uh, Dr. Thorpe tells me is, is he, he's, he's not getting the courtesy of a phone call back, and that's just unacceptable. So where they've done great things, where they've done good things, um, we're lacking severely. I mean, there is, uh, the data is out. We know, right, gentlemen? We know what's going on. Joe's a friend of informed dissent. We've had him on our show. Uh -huh. And maybe we can be helpful in uh, communicating your message to him. Well, yeah, we would, we would love that. You know, our, um, <clears throat> our resolution is just that. It's our resolve. And, you know, the resolution was voted four to one by our commissioners. That's great. The ordinance was voted five to zero unanimous decision. That's great. And let me tell you, gentlemen, the oppos opposition that was in there, uh, was significant. We brought in really quality speakers. And, um, you know, we brought in the data, we brought in the stats. Uh, we were cool, we were comprised, we were diplomatic. And, and we won. We won because we have the truth on our side. Scott, I think it's important to bring up that when they returned that money, um, they, they actually promised to even return the money that was used. There was a small amount that was used, and they wanted to take it out of their funds to pay it back. And it was fear over the damages that they saw from our presentations. In other words, they saw proof in front of them that this was hurting people and they didn't want to have um, any um, liability for that. And I think that was their biggest driver to return the cash. They realized that uh, people were being hurt with this. And that was, uh, that was the first step that told us we, we needed to move forward and uh, go even further. I'm not aware of any county in the, in the country that took federal grant money during COVID and uh, then changed their mind and said, no, thank you, and returned it. So I, I want this message to get out across the country. There are plenty of blue counties that, not blue, red counties that should learn from what you guys did and said, well, now there's a good idea. Let's follow what Collier County did. How did you guys, though, make up for the $167,000 that you said no thank you to and returned to the government? They, they reached into their own coffers and paid it back. So they wanted to be clean. 
They wanted to be clean of this completely. There was great debate on that day. You can go back and you can see the commissioners debate for probably five, 10 minutes on whether or not, well, we don't have to send the 167 back. We can just send back the money that hasn't been spent. At the end of the day, it was clearly suggested Let's wash our hands clean of this. And I think the biggest reason, Scott, is because we were showing proof that people were being damaged. We also showed uh, foreknowledge that this damage could occur. We're getting our sheriff involved locally, and we're actually getting affidavits from people who have been damaged so that this way they can start an investigation uh, into the damages that occurred. And when they're catching wind that this kind of stuff is happening with our local lawmen, uh, they're, they're thinking that, hey, we, we don't want to be stuck on the wrong end of this. And, uh, and I think that's one big thing that we can do is you have to befriend your sheriff if you have a sheriff that has that kind of power in your county. And you got to tell them, listen, look at this presentation. People have been damaged. There's a crime going on here. There was forethought uh, and foreknowledge that this was going to happen. You need to investigate this. This is a crime. And if you have a, a good sheriff, they're going to go out and investigate at the very least. And you're, when you talk about damage, you mean damage from those that have been injured by the vaccine, those have been injured by not having access to early treatment, and those even that have been injured because the hospitals were incentivized to push remdesivir that was toxic, caused kidney and liver failure, and often expedited somebody's death during COVID. Is that the damage you're referring to? I'm I'm referring to any damage by the protocols, but primarily the biggest people that are coming out for affidavits are the ones that felt they were damaged by the vaccine. And so all someone needs to do is go to their sheriff after that sheriff's been educated that damages occurred because of an inpatient hospital therapy, because of lack of early therapy, and because of what's going on now in terms of this vaccination program. And they got to say, listen, I've been damaged. That sheriff, if they're responsible, should be looking into it and seeing, well, how is this true? And start an investigation. And once you start um, you know, pulling back the green curtain and realizing what's happening, uh, the jig's going to be up. So I think uh, more people need to get, even get the local lawman involved. And it might take educating that lawman first about what's going on and the foreknowledge so that this way they can have that suspicion to go and investigate further. Have your five commissioners shut down the vaccine program in Collier County? No, no, they have not. Have you asked them to? No, but we're going to go. We're going to go to the sheriff. We're going to ask the sheriff. As George said, we're collecting affidavits. It's a very difficult process. People don't want to come forward. I'm sure you guys are aware. People don't want to come forward. Maybe they have benefits. The shame of it all. They're being told it can't be the vaccine. But we've got uh, we've got a, a half a dozen really good affidavits, and we want to go to the sheriff. You know, we've gone to the sheriff with. Uh, evidence of the injection being a bioweapon. We want them to pull these things off the street. Dr. George Yakos, you're a practicing cardiologist. Have you seen injury from the vaccine, in, in particular cardiomyopathy? There isn't a day that I don't see myopericarditis, uh, strokes, clots, uh, arrhythmias. But the, big, the biggest one, that, and, and I call my, uh, my partners back in New York and I asked him, I go, have you ever seen so many pericardial effusions in your life? I mean, there, there isn't an echo that goes by where you're seeing a pericardial effusion and everybody's post-vaccine. They're having pericarditis symptoms sort of out of season. You know, it's something that you used to see really maybe uh, during the springtime and the fall, and now you're just seeing it year round. Um, and, uh, and all these people are having post-vaccination symptoms. You know, they're having uh, long haul kind of symptoms post-vaccination. Uh, some of them are having cardiomyopathies. 
Uh, and then, then the unfortunate ones are the people that actually have reactivated cancers or a new cancer that's highly uh, advanced uh, at first diagnosis. So you're seeing a lot of problems and they're all uh, unchecked inflammation uh, that I think very clearly come from a challenge from the vaccine. And, and Dr. George, has the cardiology board come after you or the medical board in Florida? Not yet, but you know, my door is open to them if they want to come. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly in California, Mark and I are experiencing that as a law was passed that allowed our medical board appointed by the governor run by an attorney to remove the licenses of California practicing physicians for speaking against the government narrative. And that's happening all over the country, of course, less so in red states, but red states are not even immune to it because many of the medical boards uh, are filled with uh, folks that, that don't believe in medical freedom. So what, what should happen there is instead of them silencing you, which is what they did, they should have what we uh, offered up as an option here at the end of our uh, little session with the Collier County Commissioners. We said, we need to hold a health Congress. So uh, we need to get together with all of the corporate entities, all the private physicians, all the private healthcare providers that aren't MDs or DOs, and even the citizens and present and then talk about how are we going to preserve our rights in the future? How are we going to keep ourselves safe from the nonsense that came down from the CDC and even from the WHO, the people that they're trying to get us to invest all of our faith into when they've done nothing but destroy our faith in the last three years in that system? Sounds like what you're saying is we need a doctor's bill of rights as well as a patient's bill. Of I rights. think the doctors are less important, honestly. I think we need people's rights and the physician is a secondary issue. Um, so, because let's face it, we want, we not, we want to take care of ourselves. We want to take care of our family. Being a physician is a side effect in the situation. This is, this is beyond a medical degree. This is bio warfare being waged on us. And we have a whole, um, uh, smoke screen. We have a whole gaslighting going on that everything is normal. Don't listen to these guys. They don't know what they're talking about. It's, and we can't have that. We got to speak out m more loudly than ever now. Yeah. hundred percent agree. And so Scott, how did, how did you, how did you become a political freedom warrior now. What's your background? I'm an entrepreneur. I've had several businesses over my lifetime, sold a couple, moved from Chicago down to Marco Island. We did that in 2018. My wife and I, we have three kids. We have three grandkids. We got into our health and wellness with eating organic food and just, you know, picking good doctors, uh, doing blood workups and really kind of just trying to stay healthy and feel good. Uh, our daughter, when she started to have kids, we got her the Paul Thomas book, the, the Friendly Family Vaccine Program. So we were kind of keen to that. When COVID came, we knew absolutely that there was something wrong. We knew right away. So we joined health freedom groups down here of just very like-minded, very active people. And we, we started to do our thing. You know, I'll give you an example. We, we got a bus donated to us. Uh, we had that bus wrapped with a message when they were considering you know, approving the injection for the childhood schedule. And there's a picture of a young kid on there with his, with his hand out saying, and it says, leave them kids alone, lists all the side effects. We would take that bus, we would drive it to county fairs, we'd drive it to soccer fields, we'd park it near parades, wherever the parents were, wherever the kids were. So we got very, got very active and it was, it's fun, you know, it's fun where we feel like we're making a difference. Well, that's wonderful. And if you do hold some sort of medical freedom conference or, uh, um, you know, w whatever down in your area, you know, please invite Mark and I Absolutely. Uh, would love to come, would love to come down any excuse to come, come to Florida. 
So we, we appreciate all that you're doing. And again, a shout out to our uh, Patreon um, uh, viewers. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, we, are, uh, we are enjoying being part of this new network. And so thank you. And also we've got a wonderful sponsor, uh, FTA, Firearms Training Associates, uh, that's out in Southern California, um, where they hold firearms training classes to like-minded patriots. Mark and I have both participated. As a matter of fact, they're erecting a statue at Firearms Training Associates because uh, Mark is there is found there most most weekends now. Ah, fantastic! In a parking place. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, one thing I think that's definitely worth noting is so what we've done with this is we've created a template. We've created a template of what we've done with this resolution and this ordinance, and we're taking that template and we're sending it to activists around the state, county by county in Florida. And we really want to duplicate our efforts. We want to grow this grassroots groundswell. Like I said, we started to get involved in legislation at the state level. And I'm telling you, man, that is like pushing an elephant uphill. We just don't have enough power. So we want to really make a difference at the local level. And then we want to link these activists together arm in arm so that we can grow to a large enough size where we can impact our legislators and get some things done in Tallahassee. So this is our goal. This is our agenda. We're going to all of the Republican executive committees, county by county, to pass the same support for this resolution and ordinance. We want activists to pursue their county commissioners just like we did. Again, we've provided them the template. We'll provide them the coaching. We'll provide them the speakers. We brought in incredible speakers uh, Dr. Pete Chambers. Do you guys know Dr. Pete Chambers? I, I don't, but Beth, if you're listening, go grab him. <laughs> Dr. Pete Chambers is a 39-year Army veteran Green Berets doctor. Okay, He'd go out on these special missions. He was the doctor to the Green Berets that would get injured in, in combat, and he'd fix them up right there in the field. This is Dr. Pete Chambers, Purple Heart recipient. He drove from Texas to Collier County to speak on our behalf with the commissioner. Wow, that is something. I'll tell you I'll tell you what. I'll drive Mark and I will drive cross country from Southern California to Collier County to speak at uh, any event that you hold. Oh, that's Jeffrey, amazing. You're 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 not letting people know that you're scared of flying because of all the pilots that got the shot. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, George. <laughs> exactly. You know, if you send us your resolution though, we we have audience uh, all over the country, actually all over the world on, on the podcast. And we'll put this in the show notes. So if anybody who's politically active anywhere in the country wants the resolution, um, we'll load it on our website, we'll load it on all our socials. So they have that. And it's really easy to take a resolution and, and you know, tweak it a little bit for your own county, for your own needs to add and subtract from it. But having that template, I, I think it's even important it's important, and, and not only for counties, by the way, you could do this on school boards. School boards can pass resolutions as well, making known their belief of, of what ought to happen uh, for parental rights, for children's rights, for doctors' rights, et cetera. Great point. People are ready to hear that they made a mistake when they got vaccinated. And, and, and I think they're, they're waiting for somebody to be sympathetic and telling them that, and they're willing to accept responsibility they also want uh, to be shown a way back, a way to heal themselves because they're getting sick. So I think locally, without having to do anything big, people should just go and talk to their neighbors. If they got the shot, how are you feeling? 
tell them that some of the things that they're having could be coming from the shot. There are things that can help them. And that's that's how you can do things grassroots that don't require forming a COVID tyranny task force. And before you know it, you'll have a tyranny task force when that happens. Yeah, no question. As a practicing primary care physician myself, I see patients that have been injured from the vaccine all the time. I don't have a single unvaccinated patient that regrets not being vaccinated, but almost, not everyone, but almost everyone that's been vaccinated asks about their future and what can they do to protect themselves against the emerging risks and and uh, and safety signals that we're seeing in those that have been vaccinated. So listen, uh, Scott and George, the COVID tyranny task force members out of Collier County, Florida, thank you so much for coming on Deformed Dis- Informed Dissent. It's been an honor and we look forward to spreading your message around the country. Thank you, gentlemen. Our pleasure. You've been listening to Informed Dissent with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics.